This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good morning. This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Burton, joined by Manchester United legend Paul Parker to talk over um, another difficult week at Manchester United. And at least um, United lost both games, so I didn't have to change the intro. Uh, how are you doing, Paul? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, Wayne. Really good. Good, good. Um, please like and subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, feel free um, to get your questions and comments in. If you're watching the replay, say hello. Um, we do um, still reply to comments as well. Still feel free to jump in the comment section. If you're listening back on the audio podcast as well, be sure to subscribe and give us a review of the platform you're listening on. Um, uh, a lot of great stuff on the podcast over the last week. Mark, who's our post-match podcast host, he did a great job with two great panels um, following two very difficult results to talk about. Uh, Reese and Stu on there, I've got to give a mention to because they both did great. Um, I talked to former United player Marcus Neymar after the Liverpool defeat. Um, and Keane also hosted a great show with Lee Lawrence and Phil Marsh on Thursday night, um, reacting to the news about Ten Hag. Then Reese had a great podcast with an IX podcaster, Sabe, on Saturday night to tell us a little bit more what we might expect from Ten Hag. And just a heads up as well, we'll be adding lots more of that sort of content into our audio podcast feed from next season. Um, so, Paul, I guess the best place to start is before we start about the um, Eric Ten Hag was confirmed last week. Uh, obviously, a bit of good news after the bad news of the Liverpool defeat. A little bit of um, softening the blow a little bit, although I don't think many United fans saw past that. Taking all that side, I mean, it's taken five, six months to get this appointment. Ten Hag was one of the favourites when um, Solskjaer was sighted. He's become the manager now. Obviously, it's good to have him in place for the start of the new season. We've already talked about all, all you know, the ramifications that could have. Um, in the sort of like four or five months between Solskjaer being sacked and now, people who didn't know much about Ten Hag have had an opportunity to find a lot more about him. So, um, what, what's your thoughts on Eric Ten Hag being uh, the United manager? I can't personally come out and say he's going to do great, he's going to do bad. 
But I just like to think that he's actually going to be able to to manage the team in the, yeah. in the sense of not be like a an everyday coach and just coach and not have a say on who's coming in and who's going out. So in theory, you're going to get a manager who's going to be able to manage old school way of managing that when he's actually there and he's coaching, he's working with the players that he wants rather than who, who the club wants, who suits who suits their agenda. <clears throat> the agenda that should be looked after the most is the one that's the one on the pitch. That's the one where everything starts from, everything everything's built on. Um, yeah. So I really hope that what we was reading about, a lot of it about the things that he wanted to, to be able to do when he's a Manchester United manager, is the truth really that he's taken the job on and he's going to come in and be the first manager since Sir Alex to be able to manage the team in the way he wants. And if he doesn't want a player, it doesn't matter how much he's worth, what his cost to come in or how much he's worth in shirt sales. If he's not, if he's not improving the team or he, he's not good enough for the team, he's got to go. You know, bringing people who are going to make the team better rather than the person who can sell a jersey. So um, that's all that I'm hoping for. I'm not going to try and come up with all this, what a lot of people are doing now, that like they've, like they've known this fellow, you know, from the day he was born. You know, yeah. I'm just going to say that I really don't know. Have I gone chasing it? No, because what matters most is what he does when he walks into that job in the summer and what he does after. Not about what he done at Ajax. That's irrelevant, to be perfectly honest, because he's going, in, going into a completely different arena with a different kind of football and a different kind of mentality. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've got a comment already from Gary Cook. Um, he says, morning. Do you think that the players who are still under contracts can improve with the new manager and coaches, or is it too late and they need to move on? For example, Wambasaka and Dello. I mean, it's a good question, Paul. Um, obviously, we've got to be split on this, right? Some players will and some players won't. I mean, it's... The, the big question is, can the one, I think most of us would accept that maybe none of these players will be in a title winning side, but the what's left for them is to sort of be part of a, a squad that's challenging for a, a, a title or, or major trophies, right? So it's a, it's a big question for these players now. Do you, do you think that there is, is there room for any of this squad really to have a long-term future for United? I think we have to say the vast majority of them have played under a few managers and they, they haven't stepped forward. So another manager coming in, for me, doesn't really make a lot of difference. They could be, the, you know, you know, we keep reading about there was a few players who weren't happy with him being named as manager, which <laughs> I don't know why people want to write things like that. <laughs> and why, you know, where's this come from? You know, I've been at club when I was at QPR and... A few managers, you know, were, were, were sacked while I was there. But I put my hand on my heart and say that I never once come out and said I didn't want him, I didn't want him. You know, at the end of the day, you get someone and you deal with it from there. But I just hope that, you know, that the, some, you know, the players go for it and, you know, they, they actually have a go. But, um, who, you know, the person who, who sent that in, I can understand what you're saying, Dallo and Wampasaka. I think there, there could be a chance for Wampasaka. He's a young lad. I can, his attitude has been absolutely perfect when he's coming. As I mentioned before, when his name came up, he hasn't sulked. He's got on and tried his best. And it's about a manager coming in and knowing his strengths and can he, can he work on his strengths? People say, oh, you, 
you know, oh, we can't kick up his right foot. He needs to work in his right foot. What a load of rubbish. Ryan Giggs couldn't, honestly, could not. His right foot was awful. He, just, he never was balanced on his right side, but his left foot was absolutely amazing, as you know, Wayne. And, and Ryan's strength was always that, always that. Messi, no different. Maradona, no different. Pele, no different. So why are people getting their head there? You know, that you got, you know, you got strength for that, you got strength for that. Why don't you just work on your strength you've got already and then really, really improve that, that one? And I'll tell you what, it covers over cracks. David Beckham, no left foot. Yeah. No left foot. So um Wampasaka has got a chance with the new man coming in. It'll be a fresh it'll be a fresh start for him as Dallo, but I think Wampasaka is the right back with more potential. And I would look at it that Manchester United defensively have been poor. Can you use Wan Pasaka's strength as a defender to make the defence better? And I was, you know, I wasn't the best attacking. I mean, I had to learn to become a fullback again when I went when I went to Manchester United. But I'll tell you what, I was fortunate that in the way we played, we had six very good attacking players. So the back four generally played as a back four. Well, now, you know, everyone's going mad that you've got to attack, got to attack. Why? If you've got people in front of you who can make and score goals, whatever you can add to that, as far as I'm concerned, is still a bonus one. Yeah. Um, one person who can create is Christian Eriksen. We've got a quick question from Ben Allen here. Um, Eriksen's been linked with United. Surely, if his health is okay, would he be worth bringing in a good footballer? I mean, Paul, I do remember a couple of years ago when Spurs were like... Well, when his contract was winding down at Spurs and obviously they were looking to sell him. We are, I'm sure we had these conversations, but maybe it's a different kettle of fish now, you know, like the fact that at the time it would have been spending a lot of money, first in a transfer fee, secondly in wages, and now obviously with his health and everything and everything that happened at the World Cup, the all-outlook has changed and he's obviously done quite well at Brentford. Um, do you see him as a solution or is it time to sort of maybe get someone younger, a different profile of player, basically? It's always got to get someone young, younger if you're going to go and spend a lot of money because you've got to look, you know, you've got to look at a kind of a residual value. Um, and always in football, that comes when the younger they are and, they, and they've done well or they're doing well, you're going to get better value back. But if you're going to talk about someone experience, then Chris and Erickson falls into that category. Still reasonably mobile, still very, very good with the ball, but it's about the players around him. Um, he suits Brentford. Brentford have got Mboma, who is a good athlete, who will always make, um, will force a pass from Ericsson because he's willing to make the run. Um, Ivan Tony will make the run and play in there. At this moment, United maybe haven't got the players that can maybe make a difference with Ericsson in there because none of them want to run Rashford. Yeah. Doesn't want, doesn't want to run. <clears throat> um, even Ilanga has done well, but he's got, he needs, in a certain way, he needs to maybe a manager who's going to talk to him about his game because he's falling into the trap of thinking that every time he's tackled, it's a foul. Um, mm. Wants to go down too easy. So he's learning the, wrong, learning the wrong things. And that may come about with the wrong, with the wrong people around. So Ericsson, for me, is somebody I do like. But I've just got that funny feeling just by what you read about him, you look at him, everything about him says to me, he's loyal. And I think he'll look at that manager who's Danish himself. He's, he's got five teammates who are Danish. Yeah. Um, sorry, within that squad. 
I believe that he will do another season at Brentford because he'll take it upon himself to say, they, they made a big point of bringing me in. He's mostly yeah. been well looked after and I think he'll stick with them. Yeah, yeah, good. Um, good point. We have a, a comment in from Jason who talks about the full-backs and the centre-backs. I want to get to that in a moment because obviously Dallo didn't have a great um, game against Arsenal defensively. Attacking, he did quite well actually, but... Uh, before we get to that, let's talk about uh, Anfield. Paul, um, even before talking about Liverpool, the game, I want to go back in time. There's a different kettle of fish when you were playing. But I'm right in saying, aren't I, that um, before games at Anfield, Sir Alex would take you to an hotel. I mean, he'd take you to Goodison on the day of the game, but before Anfield, it'd be a case again, an hotel the night before and staying local. It, it was basically the point I'm saying is it was treated as a different game. Because everyone knew it was different, right? That's that's the attitude that was taken with it. Yeah, um, yeah. So anyway, I'm just making the point there because you played your part in three league titles. You're at the start of that road where you know United were knocking Liverpool off the perch. You basically part of the fabric of the history. That long road. I mean, like after you, there was Neville, there was Raphael, there was Wes Brown. John Shale playing that right back as United were accumulating the titles and getting past Liverpool. Obviously, it's got to be a massive source of pride in your own career that you're a part of that system, basically. And then you see a group of players do what they did last week at Anfield, basically a surrender when they're closing in on the 20th title, which is, you know, everything that you guys fought for and played for, all that history, and they just laid down and didn't show anything how disappointing is it I'm not talking about the game itself but disappointing from a professional who's been part of that and they've seen what's happened at Anfield oh well it is it's everything about it you know you know they, they have to say this squad of players just seem to want to surrender they'll if things are okay they'll get by if they can get themselves in front um there's nothing. There's nothing there to suggest any of these players would have got in any any title-winning teams. There isn't. There isn't any of them. And people say, "Oh yeah, but Ronaldo." But I'm, you know, I'm, you know, we, we all know about Ronaldo. But we have to talk about Ronaldo as as he is now. You know, as he is now. Not talk about him as yesteryear. But it's just a general attitude, and he's been dragged into it. As well, and on, with all these players, you, you know, you can't as much as you want to take certain players away. They're all in it together. Um, when it comes to it, you win and you lose together. But these these group of players, and you just see it. It's just everything about them, um, and it just it was all summed up in that first half, just the way they were. The second half, there was a little bit of belief when Sancho came on. You saw a, a difference there. Sancho was brave enough to take the game on. But he was let down on three or four occasions by Marcus Rashford. Badly let down. And Marcus Rashford then had the goal then just to jog back, shrugging his shoulders. It was, it was awful, awful to watch, awful to commentate on. I really, just one of them games, I just I wasn't looking forward to working on it. I really wanted to, at half time, <clears throat> not even try and analyse because I just knew what it was going to be. I had to. I couldn't be positive because if I'd have been positive, I'd have been questioned, to be perfectly honest. So that's where we are with Manchester United at the moment. And if 
if they're all sitting there doing MUTV, well, you know, MUTV has to be honest and it has to allow the people talking on it to be honest as well because you can't make you can't pick out anything from that from what's been going on in in, in that Liverpool game and even the Arsenal game you you know you can talk about certain bits of it that United were a better team going forward but you can't you can't wear rose tinted glasses anymore reality mm. has to has to step in because the fans will not be fooled no they definitely weren't at Anfield um I don't want to even talk about Paul Pogba anymore. I was going to bring you up, but I just, I'm going to move on from that because I've talked about it so often. Talk about Arsenal. You talked about United were the better team going forward in parts. And, I, I, you know, honestly, I thought for, apart defensively, obviously, we were horrendous for the first 10 minutes. And maybe from 10 to 55, when we got the pen player, I thought we played quite well. We, you know, we hit the bar, we hit the post. We obviously missed the penalty. We had two or three chances as well. Um, and then they, you know, we, we reacted to the penalty badly, though, well, missing the penalty badly because they scored straight away. And we did well, we did what we normally do feel sorry for ourselves and do nothing for the rest of the match. Um, I, that's the point, isn't it, Paul? I mean, it's all right saying we played well for basically half a game of football, but that's how bad we are at the moment that we're trying to look at that for positive. I mean, they, they did play all right, and we'll talk about the referee in a moment and kind of grumbles with that, but still. The chances that we were missing and the chances the way that we collapsed after that third goal just spoke more about us than what the, the positive spell did. Yeah, it did. It did say a lot after that third went in. And there was definitely, it was, a game, it was one of the few games they've played recently where there was, you know, there was a, a few positives. You saw some really, really good bits. But as we as you mentioned at the top, top of it, is that there's, United have had some good 45 minutes. And that's all it's been. There's never been, we talked about, they've played you know, good over 90 minutes. There's never been that kind of control. And for a club of the stature of Manchester United, it's, it's disgraceful in the, in the manner in which they've played this season without dominate, without dominate a game. Any game that they have won, they've only just got over the line. They haven't been comprehensive in any game they've played for me this season. I haven't, mm. been, I haven't worked on any game where I can say, oh, they should have they won that by more. It hasn't been that way. They've just about got over the line. And you can't be like that if you want to be deemed a top side. You can't be like that. You can't be like that if you're Tottenham. You can't be like that if you're Arsenal. You've got to be better than that if you want to call yourself a top side, one of the biggest sides with a decent history. You can't be that way. You have to be better than that, to be honest. And if you're better, you play fantastic football and you lose people still understand and relate to you as a big club and just turn and say, cool, we were lucky today. But, you know, there's more sides walking away saying they should have got something from United than United doing it, which which is unbelievable that that is happening now with Manchester United. People believe that they can go to Old Trafford and win. Brentford will believe that they can win at Old Trafford. You know, so mm-hmm. that, that's, that's the situation they're in. Brentford will be going to Old Trafford for the first time in a, you know, in a, a competitive league game I couldn't I don't know where, the, where it goes but I don't know what, if they if they've ever done it if they've ever been there I couldn't tell you that but whatever it is it's been a long 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 time and they will believe they will go there and they can win and judging by their performances of late and their performance against Tottenham I think they can as well to be perfectly honest yeah I don't think United have got um any rugby games that you can say that they're going to 
be comfortable. We've got loads of comments coming in, guys, so bear with me as I, as I go through them. Um, I want to come to Jason's one about the, the you know, he said, morning now, or is it as a fullback when the centre backs keep changing? Now, Dallo, like I said, uh, he didn't have a great game defensively. Um, neither Tellis most certainly didn't. Is it um, an excuse for them? Uh, not an even excuse for reason, really, because I mean, it's not just changing the personnel, but Maguire keeps switching sides. We've, I, I get at some point we've just been this season up and so we've been trying different things, but is it difficult for, for a fullback? Is it be difficult for Wamba Saka, Dallo, and Teles when the defenders at the side of him keep changing? Of course, of course it is. You look at all the sides, all the, the great sides that have won titles, won big competitions, the back four very rarely changes. And the problem is in today's football is certain managers think because they've got so many players, they've got to give them games. Yeah. But I don't think you should really want to change back four. You shouldn't really want to change personnel on the pitch because continuity will give you success. I keep saying it, and continuity makes, does make a positive difference, but people have got this thing because they can go out and have massive squads. They've got to use them all the time. If someone wants to come to you, a big squad, great. If they want to be there, but they can work hard and work hard to try and get in it. But if you've got someone who's doing a good job in there, don't change them. Why, why change it? And that's what, you know, you keep, you know, United have done that far too often. Varane pops in again, pops in for everyone to see he's there. Wearing gloves in April in London, you know, that's why we, that's why they need a strong manager. What are you doing? You're a centre half. What do you need gloves for? You know, what, what are you going to do? You, you're putting the bin bags out or something? What are you doing? I, I want Varane to look like a centre half because at the moment, all he seems like is somebody who was who was who was being babysat by Ramos. Major yeah. disappointment. Major disappointment to me. Not seen any authority at all. As I said to you before, Wayne, he is playing the game on the peripheral, showing no no urgency with the ball, not taking any responsibility. He's on the peripheral. I wonder how much he really wants to be there, to be perfectly honest. Not seen enough from him. It might change with a new manager. He might turn around and do stuff with him and work with him to find out how much his heart is in it. But at the moment, his heart's not there. Um, if you're talking about centre-halves this season, the best centre-half all season for Manchester over a season has been Lindelof. He hasn't been given enough games, though. He's been left out because of the fact of people's wanting to keep playing Harry Maguire when he's been poor. A strong manager would have left Harry Maguire out and made a decision, you know, with Lindelof, who's honest, and his, his game. But um, no, they haven't. So he's missed out on a bit of football. When he has played, he's always been steady. And I was one of those people calling him out a few times and what he was doing, he was a little bit soft, a bit naive. But he's maybe one of those centre-halves who needs help on the pitch sometimes, a bit of communication, someone to encourage him. But United haven't got that. Varane, you know, all all Varane's doing is encouraging the sale of gloves at this moment in time. Yeah, and I won't be buying any from me. Um, So, um, (laughs) more comments um, coming in. Patrick, um, morning guys, agree with Paul's Anfield analysis. How was it eroded so quickly? The narrative is that Ole rebuilt and restored the culture and DNA. Was it that strong? If it crumbled so quickly, it seems easy for some to be like magnet for the current malaise, but can't be accountable. With five months with inherited players, we just cannot seem to do the basics around positioning, defensive clearances, awareness, first touch. 
five plus passes. Literally everything seems to have been deteriorated beyond belief. Help. Well, I, I, the point is that really people did want to point at the manager in November and say that he was the major problem, but the reality has been exposed, right? And <coughs> being called out even by even by players now that we know that there are issues there, and like it goes to show for me, and maybe maybe I'm overstating this, but it goes to show the the value of confidence and momentum in a football club because confidence, momentum, and attitude—three things that are not to do with talent—are um, three things that have really damaged United's season, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely correct on that part of it. But I look at and I think about you know everyone talks about Ollie and. You know, Oli definitely transformed the club from where it was, and he did take a step forward. And maybe that naivety on his part of being a manager at that level, he didn't have the best behind him. To be perfectly honest, I think he went he went safe where he should he should have maybe been braver. Who was who he who he had behind him because he had no experience behind him. And players are good at things like that. When they can see things, not strong people, they they, they jump onto it. Um, but if Oli had been managing that team at the weekend, going to Anfield, those players all week would have known about that game because he would have followed on from the way Sir Alex was because every time we had a game against a Liverpool, a Leeds, a City or a, a European game, the bosses... The boss would change, you know. You all of a sudden, everyone would tighten up and how they conducted themselves when he was around the training ground because his mind was set about that game. We knew we didn't need newspapers bigging up the game. The boss told us how big his, the game was because he wasn't laughing and joking with us and joining in things with us. He his mind was set. He would have his little bits walk around with his bits of paper in his hand, and we'd be training and be looking because that game's in his head. And we would know it as players. I don't think Rannick, Rannick wouldn't be that way because he because he wouldn't get that the same as maybe we wouldn't get about a Dortmund Bayern Munich game in his homeland. So he wouldn't be that way. He would know about Liverpool being in their position in the league, how well they've done over under Klopp, but he wouldn't know what that game means. I didn't know until I was around pre that game. Prior to going to Manchester, I didn't realise how big a game that was. I knew it was big, didn't realise how big and what it meant. So that's the difference. So those, a lot of those players would maybe have had a different attitude. Some of them could have just shrunk because the way they'd been built around them via Ollie. But a lot of them, it might have helped them. But they went out there and the attitude, <laughs> not even an attitude, I can't think of a word, but it wasn't. It wasn't good, Wayne. And then when you make the substitution and you're hoping that you're going to bring on a local, two locals, the ones who really know about that game, who live their life and understanding what that game's about, you bring them on and I'm there shaking my head when he's bringing them on. I just, I said to myself, I'm going to myself, why? Why is he bringing them on? Because if he's thinking they're going to make an impact because, you know, they're Mancunians, I'm saying they're not going to. And I was right. It just wasn't going to happen. Jesse, he shouldn't be bringing Jesse on. Jesse's going, yeah. you know, bring on, bring on a younger player. And when he did bring on a younger player, he was fighting for, he was fighting for man in a match with Sancho. That was, so I'm not going to put, I'm not going to, De Gea done brilliant. You know, again, he made saves, important saves, 
But if you talk an outfield, it was him, the young boy, Hannibal, and Sancho. One come on at half-time, I think one come on with 10 to 15 ago. They made an impression. So really, if I was imagining Sir Alex after that game, you, you wouldn't be playing. Nine, eight, nine of those players would not play in the next game. Yeah. With yeah. a performance. I mean, there was, you know, United have had some not good performances at Liverpool, you know, some defeats. But I'll tell you what, you, not many people have walked away with a feeling that they've got now with a Manchester United at Anfield. Never mm-hmm. before has that happened, happened at no. all. No, um, I'll tell you, like, one thing that was worse for me was the fact that, you know, you have in, like, first of all, I don't think Liverpool played particularly well. Second, well, they didn't have to play particularly well to beat us, and they still looked like they were world class, and we weren't making them work particularly hard. There was, um, I, I think I mentioned it somewhere that um, United, for the first sort of 20 minutes, played like when someone's playing FIFA on the PlayStation, they put the controller down and just stood still. That's what United <laughs> like, especially the the passing where they they scored the I think it was the first goal or the second goal where or the second one where we just stood still everywhere. Richard um, says good morning, good morning. We've got a couple of comments in as well. Oh, this is just a comment. I don't really want to talk about this, but this is I do want to bring up the comment. Ben says that Rashford has apparently welcomed Ten Hag's appointment and will now consider signing a new and improved contract. If true, staggering attitude. Completely agree. I don't think we need to. Talk too much about that. Let's talk about the um, the referee at Arsenal, Paul and um, Craig Post. And now we're gonna. I'm not gonna be uh, blaming the referee for the defeat because United's attitude um, going three one down um, and the way that they defended means that they got what they deserved. But I don't. I mean, I've had to live with nearly twenty years of Arsenal fans, and I'm related to some through through my in laws. I've had to live that period of time with some of them completely going on about Mike Riley in 2004. I don't think that um, can anymore. I think we can retire that one because what Craig Pawson was up to with the weekend, I have no idea. Now, two penalty shots for United in the first half. You know, the the handball one looks more clear than the push, and I don't think that the push was one. But then when they get one, to me, says ours was one. Chaka possibly lucky to stay on. The handball penalty not even checked. Fernandez definitely lucky to stay on. So let's not just say it's all about Arsenal. A couple of unbelievable fouls in and around the box from Arsenal players not given. Um, but then when you add that into what you saw at Anfield, well, you've got now referees are having major influences in the top four and title race. And I'm not saying look, United would have thrown away the top four anyway. I know it's it's gone now, but. They would have done that anyway. They don't need the referee to do it. But surely the point of bringing in VAR was to remove this sort of stuff and it's making it worse. Well, it, over this weekend in particular, it's making it worse because there are some massive errors that have been made. Um, what, what did you make of what happened to Arsenal with the referee? Well, I'm not, I'm not a fan of Paulson. I'm not a fan of um, England either. Something England is another one who's using being a referee... He must have got bullied in school, so he become a referee, so he so he can use that. You know, that's that's his yardstick now, being a referee because he got bullied at school. Every time I've I've watched these two referee, I've I watched Pawson at West Ham, where he gave a free kick to Liverpool when Salah fell over the edge of the box, and um, Trent Alexander, um, wherever his name is, scored from a free kick when it was nowhere near a free kick. Pawson 
is a very, very poor referee. And if you're a poor, poor player, if you're a poor player and you're having you're having a, a bad time, you get left out. These referees are affecting quite a lot in football. They should be left out. They should be sanctioned. They should be taken out of games so they can understand it and they can over over their attitude and they are being questioned referees by everybody now at this moment in time so something has to be looked into with, without a shadow of a doubt got the other referee i was talking about him yesterday it's john somebody and i've forgotten his name the um the short um the heavy one i forgot i've forgotten what his name is but um i just think the referee you know we're talking about changing things They've got to maybe look at different referees, <laughs> bringing in bringing in new referees who are fresh, who are going to be looking at everything, who are going to do, who haven't been tied with a brush of refereeing in this in this league for a long time. So they're not caught up in it with the ego. Bring ones in who want to make a name for themselves by doing it correctly. But mm. at the at the weekend, it was I don't know. Sometimes you thought, yep, is what they're doing, let it go, play on. And other times it was stop. There's no. There's no consistency in the way they referee. They're either mm. going to referee it and allow the men to be men, or they're going to make it as bad as it is, make it a, a game where like no contact and least people then are knowing that it's, it's working, either, you know, for both sides. But that game at the end of the day was a tale of two poor teams. Um, one lacks creativity. The other one lacks a defence, that, that being Arsenal, who are poor, poor. Um, Arsenal's midfield has got a little bit more guile than Manchester United's, but not great. Um, and what it boils down to is that you can, we, we, you know, the game was about the referee because faulty enough, the, you can't talk about the football because in general, the, overall, the football was poor, really, really poor. And if we have to say that was the poorest performance I've ever seen from four fullbacks. Yeah. Absolutely. Arsenal's left back, and I've seen him play before. He must be, and a good friend of course, who I saw, and um, I saw, when I see him, I saw him the other night, so I saw him Saturday night. We was just like, honestly, he could not believe, he could not believe it. And he, and he just said he's the poorest left back I've ever seen. He said, I've ever seen in an Arsenal shirt. And he is absolutely terrible. Dallow was poor. Tellez was poor. Um, Cedric, poor, poor. And that's where we're going to now, but we're looking at the standards of the Premier League. You know, it's, it's, it's dropping as far as I'm concerned, if that's what we're seeing. People talk about greatness and there isn't much great happening. How many good games do you see at a weekend now, Wayne? Well, not when I watch United. Yeah, but I mean, that, <laughs> but again, it's the referees that can help if they let games flow, they don't yeah. let games flow. We look at the game yesterday, yesterday afternoon, the late game. If we referees have got to see that if a player's taking a mickey, I'll tell you what, give them a yellow card and face it after. Stand up for yourself. When someone, when you go in front of your, you know, your board of referees, why do you do that for? Because he keeps falling down. He keeps trying to stop the game. It's ungentlemanly conduct, but really, in brackets, he's a cheat. Um, and I just, I'm fed up with it. He's, kill, he's killing the game and I want to keep the game going. And that's what you've got to do. And the player, Rick Arlison, they've got to stop it. And because if referees can deal with that, you don't get a melee of players trying to 
hit each other all the time, slap each other, as we'd say, because no one's really going to throw a proper punch in football. They're not going to do it. They'll get together and chest chest and bouncing heads, but they won't do anything. So if you can stop it at source, when players are cheating, you will not get melees like that. Or the likes of Fabinho could have been seriously injured by Decore because he threw his um, toys at the pram because they never got a free kick because they, he knew his player was cheating. If you know your player's cheating, you pick him up. I went down, I think I said this before, I went down against Notts County in my debut. I've gone down, I'm knackered, I've got a bit of cramp, it's my first ever game, and I'm down now, someone's telling me, and Brian Robson just said to me, are you all right? I went, yeah, he goes, well, get up then. And, he went, and I went, oh, God, and I got up. And it's just wrong. So mm-hmm. the players are as much to blame as the referees. Yeah. No, yeah, without um, doubt. Um, and United, again, probably didn't help themselves. But yeah, you're definitely right with the, the Everton thing yesterday, especially with the, um, the young lad who went down a couple of times very easily before the penalty, yeah. like the boy who cried wolf. I mean, we all wanted Everton to get that penalty. Well, anyone mm-hmm. who's watching the podcast would, but um, yeah, the boy who cried wolf a little bit there. Um, still feel uncomfortable, even though United, as bad as they've been and you know, as culpable as they are in their own um, fall, this season, still some of that refereeing on Saturday was just bizarre. Um, so United, before they play Brentford, Old Trafford, they've got Chelsea at Old Trafford on Thursday night, Paul. Um, United, very gracefully um, this season, have been that team that if a team's in a bad run of form, they play United and then um, they sort themselves out. Um, even Arsenal, they've been in a bit of a, a rut before they put to Chelsea and, and, and then obviously battered us. Um, Chelsea had a, said a bit of a sticky one against Arsenal, and then they crept through against West Ham. They're they're going to be full of and not not necessarily confidence, but they're going to come to Old Trafford, boldened by the fact that United are so bad at the minute, aren't they? they they're going to be confident of getting all three points. I think they like to believe and hope they can get three points, Chelsea. But I don't think there's much confidence there. There seems to be something gone wrong with Chelsea. I mean, it's quite the last two games, the cup final, was it? it's the cup final and the game yesterday. Just looking at Tuchel and he's not as animated as he used to be. He's, he, sat, he sat down predominantly the whole of that game. Didn't get up. You normally see him being a bit like a Conte, or, orchestrating it and pulling people in and guiding and showing his disappointment, getting up, clapping them when something's good. He wasn't doing it. So I just wonder, is there... Is there an issue going on? Something going in the, in the background with Chelsea at the moment? Their performances are not as good. I, I don't know what's happening now. Is something disjointed? I'd, you look at the situation, you've got 100 million centre-forward who is playing exactly as what he is, really in theory, maybe a £1,000 centre-forward. He's a liability. And I just wonder if that's festering in his head as well, that he's got a player, which I don't believe... He wanted, but he's got him sitting there who he knows is not a good person to have sitting behind him on the bench. So, um, but um, I'm not really, I don't know with Chelsea. Look at the way they, the defensively, they still were trying to give goals away, caught in possession, midfield, no no great guile in there, Jorginho in there, the game playing very, very slow. So it could be the most boring game in the world. I did the first, the first half yesterday for me. 
I work with um, a commentator called called Alex Clock, who you know, one of the main ones to talk sport. And we we, was, we 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 went back on air and we went to do a half time. We said we'll you know we'll play back the half time to um, half time highlights, and we said that's it. We didn't put anything out. And then he asked me, have I got anything to say about the first half? I said, all the words I said before they cut me off before they went into another break was, I really cannot afford to watch another half like that. And that was my analysis of the first half. Chelsea have hit a bad patch at this moment. United have got an opportunity to maybe beat them. But it won't be good because it's two teams who are playing very, very slowly. Um. One last question before we, we go for um, this week. Um, can Ten Hag use the Europa League next season as a chance to have a look at the whole squad and keep them fresh? I, first of all, Jason, I would say I was very, very optimistic that we're going to get into the Europa League the way that we're playing at the moment. Um, yeah. is, is that is that good? I mean, you, you would look at it as a, a plus point, right? Because of the fact that we've got a big squad and it will be an opportunity to, to look at that, you know... I still think that the way he is, and he's not, he's not, he won't be the man I think he is if he hasn't got an ego that he's going to, if he's if Manchester United in the Europa League, he's going to use it. To, he wants to win it. Yeah. He wants to, he's going to want to win it. He's in his first season. It's not a case of, I'll just get him through, finish eighth or whatever, and um, just kind of go through and play young people and, lose and get knocked out but say look who I brought in no he's got he's got a win he's 50 odd years of age he's his first season in English football the so-called best league in the world he's going to want to make a massive point so no he's he's going to want to win it not use it as seeing players or anything if he's in it he's going to be in it to win it so no and the main thing as far as I'm concerned which I would love to happen but I don't know if he's going to be allowed to do it there's players out of contract good there's um, who can go. There's players who are in contract. They should be allowed to go. You should be able to the club speculate to accumulate, suffer, you know, suffer what they've created. Is let players go and lose money. Lose money on them. Lose, you, you might have to pay some of them off to go, but let them go. You don't want them festering around. You you want them gone. There's been too much festering around. People earning money for nothing, sulking sulking on social media because they're not playing when they've gone and played and they haven't really even shown an urgency to want to play. Get rid of eight nine players and go maybe slightly thinner and then add as you go along. Go thinner and everyone then knows they've got a chance of playing regular football. Yeah. Because you're Manchester United, you're a big club. Doesn't mean you've got to have a, a big parade of players. A lot of players who are nicking money for doing nothing, happy to walk around with a Manchester United T-shirt on and go look at me. You got to get rid of them. They've got to go. It's as simple as that. Start as you mean to go on, and then when you if you start doing that, players who you're trying to you're trying to bring to the club will go. Yep. Wow. Yeah, we like that. Because you're not going to encourage top players if you've got a room full of people who they saw over the last two, three seasons being asked to run. Yeah. A um, couple of comments in from Richard. He says, Defo Paul Tenor can use the Europa League as a good route. So winning something in his first season realistically, I mean, why not? Yeah, absolutely. Um, even a point United gets the quarterfinals degree. Uh, one last question from Jason. Squeeze one in just before we... Uh, go, are you looking forward to the Youth Cup final against Forest? Um, 
Was that a great question? I mean, I'm, I, I'm not going to be there, unfortunately. So actually, on my birthday, I'm going to be in California for a couple of weeks. So uh, I don't know if I'll be able to catch it. Paul, the Youth Cup is obviously a staple of United history. It's been quite promising for United. The, probably the, the, the highlight of United season has been the reserve players who have been playing well. Um, and... I mean, back in the day, like 1953, when we won the title, when we won the Youth Cup, um, it was described as like a um, a very successful season for United. Obviously, that's not going to wash at a senior level. Um, it will be something great from it if United win, won it? Of course, it will do, without a doubt. I mean, they won it when I was there in '92. But they won it. They won it as well. So yes, it is. It's a, it's a big thing considering that it's how this um, season's been for Manchester United. If they can win it, I mean, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be everyone would just, it'll make them, it'll be celebrated quite big. Yes, it's by the boys, the young boys doing well, but I think there's a lot of supporters out there who will think, who think, well, the future's got a little bit of a, a better chance now. Not all of them, as we know, are going to come through. We're going to get the opportunity to, you know, to play in the first team. But there's there's definitely something to build on. And if, as if they win it, getting to the finals, great, but winning it would make a difference. And I think everyone would expect Manchester United to win that against Nottingham Forest. That's that's the way you would look at it as a, the levels of the club. So they need it. But, you know, the young lads will want to do it because they know how much that would mean to them. I remember there's a lot of lads I remember, they you know, they you know when they won it, uh, who was that? It was like Colin McKee, I think it was, and there was George Switzer. Do you remember George? Yeah. Yeah. Ginger George, and great character. But there was those boys who never really got the chance, but they were just lads who, and when I've seen George over the years and everything, he still talks about it. Is he still prior to place for him? He's a Sel- Salford boy, and he absolutely lives off the back of that, and he had every every right to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, part of United's proud tradition, let's hope. That um, they add to that against Forest. That will uh, incidentally be probably be my third po- first podcast back with Paul. Um, we will be back in a couple of weeks. Um, until then, you know, keep watching the content on the channel. Obviously, all the games going to be reviewed and recovered. Um, until then, th- thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, and we will be back soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.